0: Welcome back to the LED Project Podcast. Uh, my name is Kyle Krieger. This is episode 129, and we are thrilled to be joined by the, the host of the pod class podcast, Jason West. Did I say it wow, right?
1: Thank you. Yeah, that, that is right. You said West correctly. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. It's not, <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, man. You, you'd be surprised. Though. Uh, you know, we were talking. I lived in Houston. How many people say West Conson down there?
1: They asked me where I mean, where I went grew up Wisconsin. Don't <laughs> you mean Westconsin? I mean, there's Wisconsin. I've heard Wisconsin. I also um, I, I now live on the West Coast. I'm you know I'm from the Midwest as well. And you would not be um, too pleased with how many people think Chicago is on the East Coast. <laughs> like they just don't understand that you know she's like oh yeah oh yeah it is in the middle of the like oh yeah it is right there there's no it's not on the ocean no no it is not they, ah,
0: they confuse is, the why, pictures of lake michigan and think that they're on the
1: ocean and and this is why we need to pay attention to our teachers and vote because there are a lot of people who don't pay attention yeah. to their teachers and vote and uh yeah yeah,
0: it's crazy. Uh, yeah, we're recording the, the day before the midterm elections. And I was just, it's so bonkers to me to just watch a little bit. And um, I, I don't think I ever really in Wisconsin or even in Houston, when I was in Houston, like midterm elections, there were a little bit bigger. But, you know, like right. when I was growing up, we had the same, we had the same congressman for
1: like 20 years. Right. And now it's just... I mean, and Wisconsin block. has voted the same way for the last, like, 40 years except in this last election. And so yeah. everyone's like, oh, it's a foregone conclusion. And now I think everyone's really invested because they're like, hey, remember last time? Yeah. At least we learned. Yeah. We learned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. so, so, yeah, man, so we're... This is, a we're great poli- this is a great politics podcast you got going on. No, I mean, we, we could talk...
0: <laughs> you no, know, we've been talking... I, th- I think... Well, let's let's go off script then. Because right. more and more... I'm realizing and people are saying like education is political. Like being a teacher is political and I never really realized it until a couple, yeah. until a couple years ago.
1: So I mean, it's, you know, it's change, It's changing demographics, right? The, the largest, the largest school districts in the country are comprised of, you know, 70 to 80% students of color. And the big issue is that in those same districts, the teaching force is comprised of 70 to 80% white teachers. Right. So it becomes a really touchy political thing because there is a lack of connectivity between cultures. And there are some people who make an effort to reach and empathize and sympathize and learn and ask questions with good intentions And then there are other teachers who will say, you know, these kids, or those kids, Mm. and really, you know, and that, and then it does become really
0: political. Oh, I, you know, I, I remember, and and I know I've said at times these kids or those kids or them, which was, you know, because when I moved from Wisconsin to Houston, I taught in a school that was ninety-one percent Hispanic, nine percent African American. That was it. I mean, I bet in in seven years, I bet I. Could count the white kids I had on two hands
1: oh I I taught in a district for six years the answer is one 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 white student and it was always like oh there she is yeah and 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 again it's not to say you know one way is better than the other but you know we're fooling ourselves if we don't think that segregation is still a thing going on in our schools yeah you know and, and I grew what part of Chicago did you grow up in I grew up just outside of the city, uh, in a city called Arlington Heights, mm. which is, uh, it's even less cool than it sounds, which is not at all. <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? But it's just did you... a, lot, a lot of flat field. So uh,
0: assuming you predom- grew up in a predominantly white school, predominantly white neighborhood?
1: No, I, so I, I was of poverty as a kid uh i was oh, really? i was the i was the white student or not mm-hmm. the white student i'm gonna that because i i i was the white kid in my apartment mm-hmm. but i went to a uh, i was i don't know how you would phrase it i was a uh i was a scholarship kid at a private school i was the oh. scholarship kid at a private school so mm-hmm. um that was a really you know interesting upbringing i i'm of poverty they are all of affluence, all white. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm here with my discount jeans and they're there with the, uh, you know, a Rolex watch. And it's like, you're in fourth grade and you have a Rolex watch, okay. Hmm. Gosh, so what was, what was that
0: dichotomy like? I mean, because you're learning as a kid on both ends of the spectrum.
1: I mean, I also, you know, I was the first one Ultimately, I was the first one in my family to go to college. Uh, you know, I, my mom. I, I was in a single, you know, parent family. My mom worked two jobs. Uh, I saw her every now and again uh, during the day. Like I would see her usually at right around bedtime, sometimes around dinner time. Uh, and so you know, I was just kind of, I kind of floated through. And I, had, I was one of those kids, right? I was one of those kids that had all this potential. The teachers would go crazy. And once in a while, I would reveal my abilities. And then I would just sort of zone out, not do anything else. Uh, and that's, you know, the karmic retribution is that now I work with, you know, those kids. And that's going to be my career the rest of my life is that I get to work with kids who are just like me. And it's like, oh, now I see what I did to them. <laughs> those poor adults right? so did you
0: so growing up did you realize that you like were you in, were you aware that you had that potential or was it
1: just kind of something that wasn't even on your radar i mean i think deep down i knew that i had the potential but you know low self-esteem you just kind of like no i don't really have that i can't do this i can't do that i certainly had a fixed mindset i didn't have a growth mindset that's for sure um and and you know I was too busy focusing on trying to get out of doing work than paying attention to my own ability to be able to do it. Like I came up with all sorts of clever ways to get out of doing work, or at least I thought they were clever at the time. (laughs) As I look back, they're probably not so clever. Right.
0: I mean, but it's just like, it's so strange for me to think like trying to think back because school was never hard for me. Like but then I went to college and when I wasn't like right. mic- micromanaged by my parents, I had my first year, I had like a 2.5. Oh,
1: yeah. You know, yeah so yeah.
0: I was one of those where I was smart, but then once I was like kind of given free reign to make my own choices, I like, and I worked my way back. I had like a 3.2, or a 3.3, which wasn't, I mean, it didn't matter, but.
1: Where did you go to university?
0: I went to Winona State University, which is in
1: the uh, southeast corner of Minnesota. Mm. the uh the the fighting winona riders is that is that what it would be uh no <laughs> you know the funny thing is the, <laughs> she's she's if that she's actually she just no no but she's actually from
0: there that's how she got the name winona
1: wow yeah things you learn yeah 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 you make it you make a dumb joke and you actually end up learning something <laughs> this is why you should uh always make friends with teachers because no matter what they uh, will end up teaching you something oh, you know it's oh. funny though because uh teachers typically get into the profession because they liked school. And so one of the reasons why I always kind of felt like an outsider in education, because I never liked school. <laughs> right. It's kind of weird that I ended up choosing a profession where I would come to school every day. Right. Um, but you know, you, you talk to teachers and you'll find, Oh, I, I was either always really good at school or I liked it once in a while you find someone who is like, yeah, I don't know why I'm here. But usually, you know, you make this long term life decision. It's based on something that you enjoyed. Uh, and here I am <laughs> shaking my head going, how did I get here? I have no idea.
0: Can you, I mean,
1: I'm interested.
0: So, so looking back, what were the steps that you kind of took to get to the point where you are?
1: I mean, the reality is I just kind of fell into it. I Wanted to be a writer and work in television. And my family was like, all right, but you should have something to sort of fall back on. I said, well, I always really like, you know, kids and working with kids. And, you know, I worked at day camps and, you know, summer camps every summer. I would babysit my younger cousins. I was always, I just kind of had like a natural ability with kids. So I was like, well, that could be my backup. So then I got my degree in education, flew out to LA, uh, started working in television, got a job as a writer. Uh, the writer strike happened, no longer had a job as a writer, uh, went to another show to work as a non, as a writer, but not as like a classified writer. Like I worked for the E news network, E entertainment. And I wrote for them. And this was around 2007 going into 2008. And then the economy just sort of bottomed out. Well, not sort of, it completely bottomed out. And I I lost that job. And I was like, wow, I need to have something that's a little more stable until, you know, the writer's strike ends and the economy normalizes. So I went and I was long-term subbing. And that was just kind of it you know, I've had a lot of, um, had a lot of close calls going back to, to the writing thing, but, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, after the last presidential election, I kind of thought to myself, you know, I can either go back to TV or I can go full force into teaching and ultimately what impact am I having on the world, especially, you know, on November you know, was it November 9th, 2016, I was like, well, what am I doing with, you know, what's my impact going to be? Uh, and so that was kind of when I just went full force into teaching. And people asked me like, oh, when did you realize that you really should be a teacher? I was like, mm, nine years, 10 years into my career. <laughs> like, I was always, I was always invested in it and passionate about what I was doing. But I never thought it was... You know, a decade in, I still didn't think that was going to be it. You know what I mean? It kind of hit me one day. It was like, oh, this is going to be it. And this is what I want it to be. Um, And so, yeah, it's just kind of, oh, here I am. I'm, uh, I'm somebody who comes to school every day and works with kids. And the irony is that I am the AP coordinator. I was never good enough to take an AP class. You know? And so it's just... The, the, the world is a funny place for me because it's like I come here every day and I see kids who are so much better than I was at school. And then I see kids who are just like me. And my job is to develop relationships and work with them in the same way. And I just think to myself, if, if my high school self could see me now, I don't know. <laughs> it would be so confused. Like, right. what? Right. Yeah. So that so was my you, monologue as to how I became a teacher.
0: So do, do you do you notice like your T V background and the writing? Does that does that kind of shine through in the way you teach? Because I'm I mean that's that's yeah. gotta be something that, that's that's pretty unique to have that yeah. that storyline as to how you got to where you are.
1: No, for sure. It um, you know, one, it allows me it gives me a sense of creativity in terms of when you are writing through television, you're thinking well how is this thing that's been done a bunch of times how am I going to make it mine how is it going to be different and that's kind of how I approach my lessons uh it's how I approach any projects within education I also cannot do anything without it being uh fun or funny or engaging like it's just like it's not me so like my podcast right like it if you, you know, you go and listen, it you realize, oh, it's both educational, but also like a comedy show. Like it has, it, it can't not be funny. It, it's not comfortable to me. If I, if I'm earnest for like five minutes, uh, <laughs> it's just like, I reflexively have to make a joke because it's too, it's too weird. Right. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, how I would approach teaching is just, you know, how is it going to be unique? How is it going to be exciting? And, what is a way that I can make it accessible? And really, the best way to make anything accessible is to make fun of it, right? That's why The Daily Show worked for so long. That's why, you know, those YouTube videos where, you know, people are, uh, you know, trying uh, food from different cultures and making hilarious comments on it, it it makes all of that so much more accessible because we can all understand what funny is. We might not be able to reproduce it, but we can understand it. So do you
0: have, do you have a mix of kind of the kids who were like you in high school versus like the real high flying kids in your classes or are they kind of segregated? Yeah.
1: Well, so now I don't, I don't even have a classroom anymore because I'm the AP coordinator. So I, I I have a room that has some desks in it so that I can have kids come in and do tutoring or have study rooms. But when I had my classroom, you know, in high school, they, they put kids kind of on a track, right? So they have your gen ed kids and then they have your accelerated students or they'll have your AP classes. Um, and so it's not as much of a mixture as, you know, frankly, I think it should be, especially in ninth grade. I, I don't understand if I could wave a magic wand, I would get rid of every single gen ed and accelerated class in ninth grade. I would just call it all accelerated because when you are a ninth grader and you go to high school and you know that there is an accelerated version of your class and you're not in it, I mean, you've now created a narrative for yourself that I'm not smart or I'm not smart enough um, or I am smart enough. I just don't want to try. I don't want to push myself. And if you're one of those accelerated kids, you sit there and you're like, I'm one of the accelerated students. I'm smarter. Or, uh, you know, instead of... It being a good thing, you think, oh God, I have to present myself as the smart one and I can't not know. And then there's this other intense pressure that comes with that. Uh, you know, just they're ninth graders, they're kids. I sit here and I talk to teachers all the time, and, you know, they want to make these hard line decisions on, you know, I want to, I won't accept this late work and I, you know, this and that. Because in the real world, I'm like, look, they're, they're kids. <laughs> you know, and I think about myself as an 18 year old, little a 14 year old. Like, oh my God. Little how about a twenty-five year old? Oh. Do you remember do you remember mm-hmm. how much you thought you knew at twenty-five and you're oh like my Oh my goodness. goodness. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh my goodness.
0: Mm, I you know, I I'm thirty-four and and like the like the understanding now of the just minuscule bit of knowledge I have compared to everything that's out there in the world yeah. is insane I to mean, me. Yeah.
1: We well, also sit there and you think when you're in your 20s, you think, I'm so old or I'm getting old. And the le- and then you you know in your 30s, you look back and you're like, shh, 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 you're barely potty trained. I don't know why you think you're this old. And my fear is that you start becoming old the minute you start saying, instead of going, oh, I'm so old, the minute you start saying, I'm not that old. That's when you're actually getting old. And I'm at that phase where I'm like, I'm really not that old. I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> Maybe it's the beginning of the end. I'm already look. Yeah. I, I'm I am uh, I'm 37, and I was talking to my wife about this the other day. I was like, I'm, I'm 23 years away from being 60, <laughs> which seems like an impossibility. There's no way, and yet, 23 years from now, I will be 60 years old.
0: But by the by, that time, 60 will be like the new 40 with be out
1: there and here here's hoping and you know i also look really young so it's 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 hard when you become uh when you if you become if you have like a leadership position at school and you're like hey everyone i have some ideas and they're like are you a senior at this school like how old are you (laughs) and i I say well as long as i'm still immature i can be as old as i would want to be do you okay uh,
0: do you still get carded 16, when you go out places?
1: Yes, I not only do it. I mean, it, it's happening less, but I would get carded all the time. The worst, the worst example. I was uh, 29 years old, and I got carded to see an R-rated movie. They didn't think <laughs> I was 18, and I was like, I was 29 years old. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. So it's it's happening less and less, but that's okay. Uh, students last year. Oh, I love this. Last year, we were at homecoming. We had a fair at, at my high school. And uh, I'm like running a, a station, but I'm, you know, I'm me. I'm a goofball. I'm not dressed like uh, any type of professional in any way. Uh, it's the fair anyway, so why would you dress professionally? And, um, you know, I'm just sort of chatting it up with this group of kids. And one of the girls who is a freshman who didn't realize I was a teacher, she goes, you're pretty cool. Are you a senior? And I was like thinking to myself, I still got it. Ah, I'm actually a teacher, you know, whatever. And then I go home and I tell my wife that story and she's like, she was hitting on you. And I was like, Oh, that is less cool. (laughs) That is not as cool of a story. Now I'm going to stop telling that at dinner parties, but I still tell it anyway. (laughs) I mean, and that's do,
0: do the, do the kids relate to you more because you do present yourself kind of, as you are. Cause I feel like there's, there's such a, yeah. like I had, I had a professor in college who said he didn't wear a wedding ring cause he was a college professor, but he also taught at the local high school. Didn't wear mm-hmm. a wedding ring cause his kids didn't need to know whether he was married or not. Uh, and those, those were the kind of things that I was taught in college.
1: <laughs> that is super weird. Also that guy was definitely having sex with his TA who didn't know he was married in college uh yeah that's super weird i you know i will say this during the first few years of my career i did not i was really reticent to share things about myself part of it was just the insecurity that i look young and i want them to take me seriously as a teacher and so you know i was trying to be this like professional mystique of teacher about like four years in I just started sharing stuff with kids. not, you know, not oversharing, that's weird. But uh, I just started sharing things with kids and all of a sudden my job just got so much easier and way more fun. Uh, I had, so I was teaching middle school and we have this, uh, for middle school students, we have this state testing exam and it just happened to be on the day that I was gonna get married. So I wasn't gonna be there for that day. And I had a countdown to the day of the test on the board. And I told my students one day, I was like, oh, yeah. And I'm also getting married on the day. And so the countdown became this, like, really fun thing. Like, you know, oh, Mr. West, you're getting married in a month. And I'm like, y'all are taking the state test in a month. But it was, you know, it was a lot of, um, yeah, sort of back and forth. But, you know, there are things that you share. I, I had my first kid three years ago. And again, in a bit of happenstance, my kid was born on the first day of the school year. Uh, and of course, it was also my first day at a new school. So I missed my first week <laughs> of, of work at my new school. So, um, so I had these freshmen who had no idea who I was. They were brand new to the school. I was brand new to the school. And I show up a week later and I'm like, oh, hey, I'm your teacher. I missed because I actually had a kid last week. Uh, and it was really funny is that I, you know, whenever I would reprimand them for not doing what they were supposed to do, I would say things like, guys, we have been in school for six weeks and four days. You should know this by <laughs> because I knew exactly how old my kid was. So I knew exactly how many, uh, how long we'd been in school, but those kids are now seniors. And I left that school because I got promoted to this new position at a new school, but you know we talked about it all the time when they would come and visit us. and i was like you know when you all graduate you're gonna like i'm still gonna obviously have my kid but that memory and that connection that i have it goes with you because every time i would see them even if i hadn't seen them all year because they're on the other side of campus and you know they decided you know i'm too busy i don't have time to visit mr west when I'd run into them, they'd say, oh, how's your kid? And then I'd show them photos and they'd go, oh my gosh, she's so big. I remember when she was born. You know, when those kids graduate, that was going to go away. And so, uh, you know, but again, you, when you share things with your students, it just, your whole job comes to life. And your whole, it makes teaching, classroom management. It makes all sorts of things. I once had a student who told me that he couldn't help swearing in class. And I was like, bro you can help it because I'll tell you what, if my two-year-old is in this classroom and you swore like that, you and I would have a problem. And he was like, yeah, that's true. That's true. (laughs) So, you know, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so, the thing that struck
0: me too, because I went through that same thing too. And I think so many brand new teachers are like, I got to be teachers serious. But like, as the years go on, don't don't smile till, you know, November, or December. Yeah, It's just like, the worst, I, the worst. And, and maybe it's just you gain experience and you learn that those things, like you said, like, like your daughter being born, those are the things that really like create that thing. I take myself yeah. so much less serious now than I mm-hmm. did at, at 24. And, and it's so, I think it's maybe just a point where, you know, whether it's in life or in teaching, you just realize there's so few things that actually really, really move the needle and really matter that it, Oh man. It's so, it's so funny because I went through that same thing of being like I right. had to be a teacher.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the worst part is is that the people who tell us this, they're supposed to be the gatekeepers. They're supposed to be the ones that, you know, further our, our teaching. And instead, they just hold it back. You know, they, 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 they misrepresent what we do. And it just it makes me crazy. You hear these people you know. But of course, on the other end of the spectrum, there are people who, you know, I think that love and rigor in a classroom are not mutually exclusive. And I think that some people take rigor way too far. And it's like, you know, but there's humanity here. There's like a sea of humans, future generations that you are working with. And then on the other hand, there are people who take the love way too seriously. And it's like, uh, they have to learn things because you can't just you know, coddle them and tell them how much they're special and love. Like they actually have to do things. Right. Um, so I think it's really, you know, uh, that's why I like what you do with your podcast. Cause it's like, it, it's getting those teachers and giving those teachers who have a balance of love and rigor, giving them a voice and projecting them out so that, you know, people ask me, who is, who is your audience for the podcast? And I first say, well, everyone, but then when I really think about it, the people that I have in my mind when I'm talking are new teachers because I want them to see and to know like, this is what you should think about and this is what you should look at and focus on. You know, instead you go on, look, Instagram is like the worst thing for new teachers. It makes me crazy because people, you know, will legitimately post, wow, look at this person's amazing classroom. Think of all the learning that must happen in there. It's like, wait, what? no 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 just because it's beautiful doesn't mean that learning is happening it just means that they have spent a lot of time and money to make their class beautiful and then have posted it on the internet uh right right yeah we have a we have a friend who teaches
0: outside Atlanta his name's Eric Crouch and uh he was taught we were talking to him last week and he was like my room's got gray walls and there's a deer head hanging out there and he's like my kid (laughs) he's like I made a man cave because that's He's like, because that's what I do, you know, like, and yeah. he he was very much of the point in um, that, you know, you can, it, your classroom is what you make it. But I really want to come back to your point about gatekeepers and kind of the podcast. I think I love being able to do a podcast because there are no gatekeepers. There was no one that gave us permission to do this. And right. I'm interested in, in how that compares to your TV experience, because, you know, with TV... You know, you really had to, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of gatekeepers there that decide sure. what gets on and, and what doesn't. So I'm interested how, how those two things kind of mesh on, on your podcast. Cause it's so like, I mean, really all we yeah. had, to, we don't have to do anything. Like we just do it.
1: Well, okay. So uh, to process that a little bit or to break that down a little bit, there are, there's nobody that's giving us permission right but there are always there are always gatekeepers yeah. no matter what you do because one uh the gatekeepers can be the audience they're just like no, nah, i'm not going to listen i'm good right there are other gatekeepers you know like people in your district and your bosses right i i uh people in my district know about my show and it is something that i will think about as i uh write a certain joke when i'm doing my script for the episode or uh if I get on a certain topic with a guest, I go, uh oh, maybe edit this out because this is this is getting you know, it's a free flowing conversation and not all of that is going to sit well uh with with with, with the higher ups in the district. Um and so you know, there are gatekeepers in, in that respect, but really this is just more like this is just intrinsic motivation. I want to do something. And I want to be creative in how I do it. And I want to reach people who are new teachers, who are open-minded teachers. Uh, I want to reach people who are not in education because it makes me crazy. And I'm sure you've had this experience. You know, you talk to people who aren't in education and it's really like the same handful of talking points, right? It's, oh, I couldn't do what you do. You're, you're a real American hero. Or, uh, hey, how about those summers, huh? Or oh, is Common Core the worst? Or oh, how about that Betsy DeVos, right? Or maybe, or maybe the fifth one will be some you know weird statement about unions, you know, for or against it. It's really all people talk about. Mm -hmm. Nobody actually knows how to talk about education, which is crazy because we've all been to school, we've all been students, right? right? Like we should have some sort. And also, we depend on education more than almost any other industry out there. I, I would say education is the foundation of all other industries and so you could say that we depend on it more than all industries but i mean the reality is uh we need education to create doctors but we need doctors (laughs) like we need right so but nobody can talk about it so that was sort of the driving force for making my podcast is hey let's have a conversation about education and it's not just teachers that i'm going to talk to i talked to somebody who is a beer sommelier, a Cicerone. And he say, well, how does you know, beer connect with ed, you know, education apart from the obvious, like we all have some drinks uh, after mm-hmm. work kind of thing. Uh, and by the end of the conversation, both he and I realized like, wow, you are actually just an alternative educator. You're learning something. You're learning a content area. For him, it was beer. You are going to then take that information and share it with people who don't know this information you're gonna give them experiences, it's gonna be experiential learning, and you're gonna help them understand how that could apply to their life, and then they're gonna take that information and share it with others. Like that's, like, that's teaching, right? Right. Um, by the way, I talk a lot, and I, I, I tend to uh, ramble and monologue, which is why uh, I have um, gotten really good with editing, and why I can't just film <laughs> my podcast in one take. Right. So if I'm talking too much, Please, this is your show. I love that. But then, you
0: know, you add, you know, and this is just happens to be the fresh thing that's up there, but everyone yeah. across the country has seen the pictures from Idaho of oh group, my a group of teachers making a Halloween costume of a border wall and Mexicans right. and saying, and having the district say it was a, div, it was a diversity and team building activity. And I mean, and like, that it wasn't
1: well thought out. Like that, like that's the language. It just really wasn't, it wasn't well conceived. Like, okay.
0: But then, you know, teachers across country who are doing amazing things like the teachers you interview or we interview, yeah, they get pushed to the back burner. Like that's, that's never even the story. And I just, you know, with social media, I think, I feel like teachers see each other doing great things, but it doesn't seem like there's a lot of like, regular people like parents and and you know community members who are seeing the great things that teachers do hundred percent just they Yeah, there's a, be that picture on CNN.
1: Yeah, there's a bit of an echo chamber. That's for sure um, The other thing that they see that really drives me crazy and That other people tend to see as well who aren't in education apart from like the Pinterest worthy stuff That's like Pinterest worthy doesn't mean pedagogically sound. It just means that it looks nice Uh, Or like, look at these cool worksheets. Yeah, those are cool. But did the kids understand them? Did they do well with them? Were they able to then achieve on an assessment at a higher level because of those? Like, you know, tell me more. Don't just show me something cool. The other thing that people tend to see online, and this is the thing that makes me crazy. uh, If if I I could start a crusade against the, the, the social media account called Board Teachers, yeah. I would. I mean, I would just pull up my flag and say, let's go. Board teachers makes me crazy because board teachers puts up, you know, these memes like, uh, thank God the weekend is here. Or when it's Sunday and you remember that you have to go back to work tomorrow and everyone's like all sad. It's like, then quit. Like don't be a teacher if you are miserable doing it. Don't, don't project that we all hate what we're doing or that we're just, you know, how many of you are just waiting to winter break how many of you are waiting to retirement make that happen earlier? Like this is not something that you should be uh, feeling as a teacher. And if you are then maybe leave because that's not no kid deserves that. If that was, if that was my kid and his teacher or her teacher posted something that was like, can't wait for spring break to get away from these kids or when it's the weekend and you remember you have to go back to school. I'd be like, I don't want this person as my kid's teacher. Because they clearly don't want to be there, right? And, and it, that kind of stuff makes me crazy. And that's the kind of stuff that you see on the internet. It, what, teachers and non-teachers share that stuff alike. Because, you know, on the one hand, it is funny. But on the other hand, it's just, it totally misrepresents what we do. And it makes me crazy. Yeah, and I feel like
0: just hearing you say that, like the name. I mean, if you're yeah. a board, if you're a board teacher, like... <laughs> you're probably yeah. not you're probably not doing it right so kind of yeah to kind of to kind of wrap this thing up you know with sure. with your podcast or even with our podcast how do you think we reach a broader audience how do you think we we start to, or not start to but continue to tell the story to where it gets yeah out there and kind of cuts through some of that echo chamber
1: man i have no, that's the ten thousand dollar question the magic bullet i i have no idea i mean i'm 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 hitting the fence to see if there are any weaknesses to break through. But I think, you know, we just have to keep making the efforts to share what we know with people who are willing to listen, who are both in education and not in education. And I also think we have to do a better job of propping one another up who are doing things that are good for kids. Not just, oh, they make school fun, or not just they make things look nice, uh, or not just you know they prop me up so I'm gonna prop them up. Like we just need to do a better job of identifying those that are doing what we believe they should be doing, and promoting that. Which is why I'm grateful that you had me on this show. Like you found me, like you just reached out to me. Hey, I like what you're doing. Do you want me to be on my show? Like that's what I'm talking about. Like that kind of stuff yeah. where. I I want my audience to hear what you have to say. Right. Or I want people I know to listen to what you're talking about or to see what you're doing. I think, I I don't know if that's the right answer, but I think that's really the only way we're going to get there.
0: Yeah. You know, and I think, I think too, and to your point, you know, you know, starting back to your experience, like, and I think we have to be open to the fact that good was good for every kid is different. Like there's, there's such a difference in that, but, uh, Gosh, man, I feel like we've gone, like, I feel like we just started. We've gone 45 minutes, and I know you, uh, with two little ones at home, got to get going. So for people that want to connect with you, uh, listen to your podcast, or connect with you online, how can they do that?
1: Uh, well, I have a, a website, uh, teachmemrwest.com. Uh, I have the same username on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, at teachmemrwest. Uh, I also, the podcast is called Pod Class. Uh, so you can you can email me if you have any questions. Podclasspod, P-O-D, podclasspod P-O-D, pod pod at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, that's about it. I try to release an episode every week. Uh, it's admittedly getting harder now with the second right. kid, but I'm, right. I'm still sort of managing to do that. Um, I will. I am modeling my show after what I know in television, which is there are going to be uh breaks and there are going to be seasons right so right. uh at the, at the start of every fall will be a new season but there'll still be like a break during the winter holiday a break during spring a break during thanksgiving right. um you know that's just kind of what you would get for the new episodes of tv it's a new episode a week but Perfect. extenuating circumstances there wouldn't be an episode whether it's a holiday or whatever
0: Awesome, man. Well, like I said, super appreciate your time. Glad we could connect. And uh, like I said, if you ever got more, anything you ever want to come, you're not getting out, you want to get out on our podcast, man, you're more than welcome anytime.
1: Thanks man. Yeah, no, this is this is really fun. Uh, I feel like I monologued for 99% of it, but that's okay. Uh, definitely want to come back. Definitely want to have you on my show though. Yeah. How about we'll that? that. We'll do a home we'll and away, on. right? Home and away.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll definitely I'll connect you with my my co-host Wilkie, you know, cuz you and him can talk. He's in a doctoral program and that's kind of his thing. Like, oh man, um, they are trying to rope me into that
1: right now. Uh, it's
0: what he's doing is bonkers and just so like phenomenal. So super- tell me
1: tell me as a as a Uh, impartial person my wife is a physician and the idea that i might join a doctor uh, that i might start a doctoral program just so that i can have on every patient doctor's wife a little crazier send me a bad person
0: (laughs) no it does not it doesn't make you a bad person at all (laughs) i i would i would my
1: wife is like you are the peskiest person and i'm like i just want to get a phd just so i could be like we're both doctors it's the same yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> that's like when uh I, I think it's a movie the movie the hangover where uh the one guy is a dentist and he always claims to be a doctor and they're always like oh, no, yeah, you're doctor. not a doctor yeah. you're a dentist so no nah, man it's like the seinfeld episode oh for sure For sure, man. But uh, like I said, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, and hopefully we can connect again soon.
1: Thanks for having me.